morning, family. Good to see so many of you here this morning. Again, I encourage you, take a look around, see who might be missing, give them a call, send them a card. It's good to see Trouble and her sister here this morning. And I'll let you determine who's Trouble and who's the sister when you get a chance to talk to Miss Evelyn and Miss Barbara, who are here this morning. I'm glad to see both of you here this morning. Love you guys, been missing you, but glad to see that you're feeling good enough to be here. Uh, Hunter had already mentioned it. I'll make mention of it again. But if you're visiting with us, we'd appreciate you filling out one of those cards that's on the back of the pew in front of you. And again, stick around. Let us get to know you a little better. What did you say? Let us put some love on you? No. I know that, what that meant to our kids, so you may or may not want to stick around for that kind of love. But uh, we're glad that you're here with us this morning. We have a few announcements we need to get into before the lesson this morning, so I encourage you uh, to just be paying attention here. There's several things that the elders are asking each of us to prayerfully consider as we move forward as a body here at Boulevard. There's a couple of sign-up sheets in the back. The first one is for Life Groups 2020. If you're wanting to participate in Life Groups... See, I'm testing you to see if you're paying attention. Good job, guys. 2022 is the year. We're not going back. We're going forward. That's the elder's decree. Yeah, in 2022, if you have not yet put your name on it and you're wanting to participate, write your name and however many members of your family that are on there. We're asking that you have that signed by December 26th. That gives us enough time to formulate the groups, get the letters typed up and printed and put in the mailbox so that we can send to everybody but Raymond and Mary. Because that's basically what happened last time. They were the only ones that didn't get the letter out because somebody failed to put a stamp on it. And that person will go nameless because he doesn't want to embarrass himself any further. So sign up for life groups. Also, there's a sign-up sheet in the back for the Everybody Can Sing seminar that will start January 13. I really encourage you, if you're wanting to participate in that, to get your name on it so we know how many materials to have printed before that starts. Everyone will have materials. And if you are taking it seriously and going through it, there's going to be some homework assignments. There's participation that is required by everyone that is attending the class. Uh, and so just encourage you to prayerfully consider that. And finally, there's three different sign-up sheets. Ms. Karen helped me to uh, understand how the Christmas party is going to work. But what we're looking for is there are 10 spots for gumbo, if you want to make gumbo and you want to be one of the first 10, put your name on it and you're in charge of gumbo. You're not in charge of rice. Karen said she was going to do the rice. Is that still happening? Okay. Karen and Joe are going to take care of the rice. There's also nine slots left, last I saw, for potato salad. Apparently, you have to have potato salad with gumbo. I don't remember that growing up, but I have been introduced to it since we came here, and I'm going to tell you right now that it's a necessity. All right, and by the way, this is just Jeremy's personal preference. Whoever makes that jalapeno potato salad, I don't know who you are. It's delicious. You should sign up, <laughs> Shelly. <laughs> but that's there. And also, there's 10 slots for decoration of tables. You are not asked to decorate every table, but just one table for the Christmas party, December 4th. So I encourage you to get back to that back table Put your John Hancock down where you are prayerfully considering what you're wanting to participate in. And last thing I wanted to talk about before we got into the lesson. The elders decided several months ago that for the next year, any of the benevolent contributions that occur on the first Sunday of every month would be 
we would direct those funds to those who had been negatively impacted by Hurricane Ida. And it would go through disaster relief effort out of Nashville for the first three months, and then the disaster relief team for the remainder of that year yeah, to, for those that are receiving that help to help those folks down there. And it's encouraging to note that as a body, Boulevard has provided 5000 to this day anyway, $5,362 in two and a half months to the disaster relief effort. I, I talked with Brian Spicer on the phone this week, and he said that they take every, do every dollar they get, they turn into $3. So essentially what we have provided for disaster relief effort is about $16,000 of buying power to that organization to buy emergency supplies, to put on trailers, to send to these affected areas. Now, in terms of if you're looking for just a physical thing, it's about $50,000, $60,000, I think he had said, to fill a trailer. $16,000 puts us at a third of a trailer. Excellent work. The elders would like to express their appreciation to everyone's involvement on that uh, and everything that's been going on in all of that. All right, let's turn over to 1 Peter, guys. 1 Peter chapter 2 is where we're going to find our time, spend our time this morning. <clears throat> I want to ask a question before we get into the text, and please don't answer out loud because I know the answer, but how many times have you had a thought, that person needs to grow up? Hunter's looking at specific individuals right now. <laughs> But how many of us have had that thought? And what I find amazing about it is, usually when we have that thought, is it about the person that's younger than us or older than us? Have you ever thought that an individual needed to act their age, not their shoe size? You ever hear yourself saying that? It was one of the things that our kids loved hearing me say when they were growing up, especially once they got older than their shoe size. Right, that they needed to act their age, act appropriately in the things that they were doing. Uh, and the reason that we think this way, the reason we say these things, especially to our children, is when we look at just normal development of a person, we expect maturity, don't we? We expect an individual to mature as time goes on. It may be, there may be some hiccups along the way, but all in all, when we are looking at people, let's just be upfront on this. We expect people to mature, don't we? Or is that an unreasonable expectation? You guys tell me. Is it unreasonable to expect maturity out of someone? Or the process of maturity? Let's put it that way. I like that better. I don't think that's an unreasonable expectation when we are looking at people. Uh, and I love it. And this is one of the things I love is when you can hear them grow. You know what I'm talking about? Where, where someone's growth is just on the fast track and you're looking at them and you can hear the bones stretching. You can see them growing. You can hear them grow. Oftentimes that happens with new Christians, right? They step into it. They're zealous for the Lord. They're excited about what's going on. And you can hear them grow spiritually as they're moving forward in their work of the kingdom. And I think that that is one of those things that we need to really be paying attention to and focusing on. Is it exciting to see someone mature? Yeah, it better be exciting to us to see someone mature because I think that that's God's purpose for us, right? When God called us to be Christians, we understand that he didn't call us to be the frozen chosen, right? Or the petrified pew people. 
that he's expecting growth. He's expecting maturity. He's expecting action out of each of us. And the salvation that Peter has been discussing in chapter one of 1 Peter is the springboard for this growth process, for this growth development that God has, has as an expectation for us, or as, let's just think of it as a program. You know, uh, and so we get to this section of chapter two, excuse me, kind of lost my thought process for a second. So when he says, therefore, that's referring to everything else that he has just mentioned. And we are being told that since God did this, since God provided this current and future salvation, there is an expectation that falls on us, right? So read with me as we go. First Peter chapter two, let's just read the first three verses this morning. He says, therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Now keep that in mind as we look at what Paul says in Ephesians chapter four, okay? Because in Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter four, Paul says, so this I say, and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. Now understand, ignorance and hardness of heart cannot be separated. They are tied together, all right? We can be ignorant and not have a hard heart, and God will work through that. But when you are a hard heart, you are going to be ignorant according to God's purposes and plans. Just you can't separate those two, all right? Continuing, he says, because of the hardness of their heart, verse 19, and they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. Now notice verse 20. You did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Again, how did we learn Christ? We did not learn Christ, as Peter says, when we go back to 1 Peter chapter 2, with malice and deceit and hypocrisy, envy and slander. All of those things are old patterns, old behaviors. So Paul, along with Peter, says, you didn't learn Jesus this way. That is not how you were taught, and that's not what the expectation is for us as we go through all of these things. And understand something. Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander, all of the old behaviors that we carried around with us that we are told to lay aside, those are all learned behaviors. We were taught to behave that way. And we learned how to act that way. All of it. We made the choice to put those lessons into action. Peter says, you must unlearn what you have learned. Paul says, you must unlearn what you have learned. And don't misunderstand me, guys. I'm not saying that all learned behaviors prior to us coming to know Jesus are bad. All right? Yeah, because I guarantee you that the majority of people in this room learned how to walk before they came to Christ. We don't expect a new Christian who learned how to walk to say, well, you better forget that and just start 
worming around on the ground until you teach yourself to walk again. Not all learned behaviors are bad. I think that we get, we're able to participate in some of these godly things without even realizing we're participating in godly things prior to us becoming a Christian. But everything that goes against Christ must be forgotten. It must be put away. It must, or well, let's put it this way. It has to be put to death. It has to die if we're going to live this way. And what I love about the gospel, what I love about the salvation that Peter is writing about here is God never says to us, hey, I want you to kill everything that you did before without providing something to fill that void, right? It's not that he leaves us empty and going, man, I really wish I could still be doing all of those things. He's like, no, 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 no. You, you put all of those things to death and you fill it with these good things these, and learn these good behaviors through all of this. And I love the analogy that Peter makes here. He says, listen, you ever seen a baby that's hungry? Right? What does a baby do when it's hungry? It screams and pitches a fit until it gets food. Doesn't it? And it longs for the milk, the sustenance that is being provided to it. It's, listen, I know how many of us have ever said, man, I'm so hungry, my stomach thinks my throat's been slit. Right? We're like, oh, we're gonna, I'm going to die of hunger. That's how babies feel. Or at least that's how they act like they feel. Is that how we approach the word? Is that how we approach this new life? That we say to ourselves, man, if I don't get my daily, my daily bread, I, I'm going to keel over and die. I have such a strong desire for it. I have to have it. Right? And this isn't, we're not acting like a baby because we're trying to deceive someone or anything like that. It's just that this is how it has to be. And let's just be upfront on this. Like babies, our needs as Christians are pretty minimal, aren't they? Bud said it himself. Our need as a Christian, when we get down to brass tacks and the very foundation of what it is that we need, who is it we need? Jesus. And like a baby, what else do I need? I need food. I need sustenance. And maybe every now and again, I might need a diaper change. But my needs as a Christian are very minimal. And so we're expected to renounce these old behaviors and attitudes that we learned in our ignorance, all of our old life lessons were learned in order to feed and nourish selfishness. That's it. And now we are expected to feed ourselves on food that is designed to promote growth. And if you think about it, and you're honest, everything that, you were, that was, we were feeding ourselves on prior to becoming a Christian, the deceit, the slander, the envy, the hypocrisy, all of those things that were out there, we came to learn provided nothing but nutritional deficiency. We found ourselves thirsting and hungering, didn't we? Because we recognized how far off the track we had gotten, or we allowed ourselves to get through all of these behaviors until we understand and are presented with the truth 
that is out there. Guys, how many of us have tasted the kindness of the Lord? Right, you saw that phrase in, at the end of that text, right? If indeed you have tasted the kindness of the Lord, how good was that? How good is that? Because I would submit to you that this taste that Peter's talking about here isn't a one-time feeding. That we're supposed to taste this continually. That we taste the goodness and the kindness of the Lord. And how many of us, since we tasted it, want more? Anybody ever seen Marcy eat crawfish? That woman is impressive. I'm just going to tell you right now. First time I saw her break into some crawfish, I was like, whew, okay, she got a big old plate. That'll be about all she can handle. Twelve plates later, Marcy's like, is there still more crawfish? It's amazing to watch this woman eat. I'm telling you. I'm like, mmm. If she was younger and not married, you're like, you need to meet my son. This is the attitude. This is the idea that the scriptures are presenting to us. We tasted it, right? We knew it was delicious. Was it the sweetest thing you've ever tasted in your life? And when you tasted it, you went, yeah, that was good, but I don't need any more. No. That it, it provoked within us a desire to have more and more. It's not, and again, not to say that the Christian, does, the Christian diet is nothing but milk, but look at what Peter is saying here. We're still supposed to be desiring the sustenance, the life-giving sustenance that God provides to us. We should have a hankering for it. <coughs> you remember the Lay's potato chip ads? Yeah, how many of us can eat just one? I tried that once, by the way. I was like, I can, I've got enough discipline to eat just one Lay's potato chip. No, I don't. I don't know what they put on them chips, especially the, just the standard Lay's potato chip in the yellow bag. You're like, I can only eat why? I'm man enough. I can eat only one. Meanwhile, that bag is taunting you. Next thing you know, you're reaching in the bag and you're taking another one. Maybe it's not Lay's, maybe it's Funyuns. Either way, when we've eaten something that is so good, we have to continue to eat it. That is what the psalmist is getting to from our reading. It's what Peter is driving us to. Look back at what the, the psalmist says in Psalm 119. He says, I love your law. Oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation all day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies. They are ever mine. I have more insight than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. And and I want to pause real quick. Sometimes I think when we hear that word meditation, we get some kind of weird 60s view of what meditation is and that we're just supposed to sit there and um, empty our minds of things. No. That this meditation that is being talked about, it's being as we consider them and we work through them, that the principles are being applied to our lives. He says, I understand more than the age because I've observed your precepts. I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. I have learned something different because of your word, is what the psalmist says there. I've changed my behaviors 
because of your word. And I wouldn't have been able to change my behaviors if I hadn't been in your word. I've not turned aside from your ordinance for you yourself have taught me how sweet are your words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. From your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. And the point of all of this is that because the word is so good, I crave it. I have to have it. And I have to have it and I crave it because I know the value that it brings to me. Michelle Borbra is an author. She deals with children, families, parenting. In an online article titled Curbing Selfish Behavior, she writes, and this might hurt your feelings, parents who raise selfish kids don't do so by accident. That there is intentional work done by parents to promote selfish behavior. Guys, tasting the kindness of the Lord Participating in the salvation that God has provided to us was no accident. That God worked very deliberately to make sure that his plan would be fulfilled. And so what he has done and is doing is raising us to act in the way that he wants us to act. that that is part of the growth development process that God is calling us to. But, again, we have responsibility in that, though, right? Don't we? Right? Because, you know, it would be, be kind of like if I decided to just lay out a whole bunch of a big old feast here in front of everybody and say, hey, guys, here's the deal. All this food, perfectly nutritious. Anybody wants some, come get some. And none of us walk up here and take a bite. We have some responsibility in this. But what we don't get to say is, man, I spent my life starving spiritually, God, because you never made sure I had food. We don't get to say that. Because he has provided not only the food, but the environment for feeding. And don't misunderstand me. This is just one environment for feeding. I know you've heard it likened before. I'm going to do it again because it's a great analogy. If you only ate one meal a week, one physical meal a week, how long would you expect to walk this earth? And I guarantee you we got people here this morning that only eat one time a week. And that's not what God is calling us to. It's not what Peter says we're supposed to be. We should desire, we should crave those feeding times. How many of us have a supper time set in your house? Raise your hand. This is simple, guys. Some of us don't, some of us do. I'm going to tell you right now, supper time at the folding house usually falls anywhere between 5 p.m. and 10 p.m. 
Okay? But you know what I know I'm going to get every day? I'm going to get me some supper. Are we approaching the feeding in as purposeful a way as we do supper time? Or are you expecting to get to heaven just based off Jeremy? Because if that's the case, you are of all people most to be pitied. We have some responsibility in this, and we can do it, but we must determine that that is the people that we want to be. That God is calling us to a higher standard, to be a people of his own possession. And my prayer is that we crave the word, that we feel like we can't live without our time in the word on a regular basis, that we make time for God in our schedules, in our lives, in our daily routines, that we can spend some time in the scriptures and then we can be thinking about and meditating on and putting into practice the things that we've learned throughout the day. Let's be that people. Because I'm convinced that's what Lake Charles needs. That's what Lake Charles actually deserves from us. And it's because of the salvation that we have tasted that it's what we want to do. George has a song for us, and we're going to stand and sing it here in a moment. Let this be an opportunity for us. This lesson was meant to challenge all of us. Because I think at times you think, well, the preacher doesn't have a problem being in the Word every day. I still have to dictate those times. I have to. But this is an opportunity for us to be strengthened from each other in this. Because if you're struggling with craving the Word, you're struggling with finding that time to be in the Word, then guess, who, guess what? There's someone else here that's also struggling with that. And we can help each other through this. We can get stronger because together we're better. We can be who God calls us to be, but we can't do it if we're not willing to share, if we're not willing to be open, to be transparent with each other. It kills me that we buy the line that Satan feeds us over and over and over again, that we're the only one that's going through challenges and that we're the only one going through struggles. It kills me because it's not true. We can help each other with God's help. Perhaps you're with us this morning and you're ready to become a Christian. You've understood what God has, has provided for you in Jesus. You're ready to taste the kindness of the Lord in the, in the fullest tasting possible as you make the confession of Jesus as the Christ and you're baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. He raises you as a new creature, adds you to the kingdom, adds you to the local body here, fitting you in where he wants you to be as you continue to crave more kindness, more of the word, more of his grace, more of his mercy, more, more, more. That opportunity is available for you this morning. We encourage you, whatever your need may be, that you make it known by coming forward and talking with the elders as we stand and sing.